Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to talk about the post-COVID reckoning. I love that word reckoning. It just sounds like it's come to Jesus time. <laughs> uh, my favorite word of the three is post. Let's let's hope. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. Although I don't know, with the latest variant, it does make you wonder. I know. It is for sure, though, that there's been enough of a dip in the pandemic that lots of people are finding themselves in this kind of like, you know, uh, reckoning, like, like, mm-hmm. let's um, rethink things, you know, do I want to commute back into an office? Do I want to go back to the same work at all? Do I want mm-hmm. to make a big change? I, I think a lot of people are at the phase where they're kind of like, oh, okay, it feels a little bit like we're getting back to normal, but then the same old doesn't, it feels different somehow. So, yeah. Well, yeah. we're not the same old, same old when we started this. I mean, we went through this together as a global community and we all came out of it a little different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I know I've certainly gained a little weight since before, <laughs> before that. So <laughs> working on getting that off. Yeah, for sure. I think that's pretty common. Um, yep. But I have I have no, heard quite a few stories recently, anecdotal stories about, you know, folks I work with who have employees that uh, where the employees are making a change, they're going to go somewhere else. You know, there's just a lot of people making large-ish life decisions right now, it seems like. In the last mm-hmm. couple of months, I've probably heard six stories of key employees either leaving a company or someone who is a key employee that works with me deciding to let go, you know, a couple of clients that are, that have always been trouble. And if finally they can't take it anymore, it's almost like the combination of things is just uh, reached a tipping point. And I like to think, I like to think optimistically that the whole thing was kind of a wake up call for people who are now feeling the malaise that they're feeling is, a desire to have more of a purpose or an impact or, you know, change things, make a dent in the universe, as Steve Jobs used to say. And so I, I like to think that that's the, that's the feeling, that's the itch or the tension that folks are trying to scratch and less so about like, you know, I'm, I'm sick of this crap. I'm not going to put up with it anymore. It's, I, I, I like to think that it's more people like, you know what, I want to think bigger. I want to play a bigger game and have a bigger impact. Finally do the thing that's going to be give me more meaning or more fulfillment. And, you know, so we thought we'd have an episode about that and maybe talk about um, some of the considerations if you find yourself in that kind of funk. Well, I also think that the externals have changed for a lot of people. Like if you were going to an office and then you're not, so all of a sudden you're not seeing the same people, you're not, you know, suiting up for Mm -hmm. your job, whatever that looks like. (laughs) Um, The external, Yeah, the externals are gone. The title's not as important. You know, all of those things that we attach, if not importance to, then at least resonance with, right? Because we, yeah, because we do it every day. And and when you take all those things away and you're working in your jammies in your living room, um, you can start to go, well, gee, is it really that important? Yeah. And and when you're stripping all that away and what's left is the work, 
That's really what most people have <laughs> yeah. been doing. And the irony to me is that's what a lot of our listeners have been doing, you know, because we, you know, we work from home, we work for ourselves. I mean, we've stripped it down to basically the work, mm-hmm. right? But if that's new, it's it can be a very uncomfortable feeling. And so that's where I think I feel like our elbows are like rubbing up against the sides of our cage. Mm. And like people are saying, what else is there? What can be next for me? That's a really, I, I never thought about it like that. But even, even I, who've, you know, I've worked for myself since 2006, but I did have an office and I had a little routine and I had like, you know, people I would say hi to in the morning. And there's definitely a, um, when you take that out of the equation, it really does, you know, like there are things that you might like about that routine or things that I might have liked about that routine that mm-hmm. are not the work, you know? Right. So they could have an inertia on like, oh, well, these are fun habits that I like, uh, but it's it's not the work. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that observation. That never occurred to me. And, and of course, there's, you know, for folks who went into like an office or, you know, are working at a firm or something, and there were any kind of any kind of high status things that they were enjoying, you know, corner office, mm-hmm. uh, whatever, whatever it might Great have been. View. Yeah. Yeah. Management over uh, a team who you know, basically had to do what they said or, you know, mm-hmm. a big, you know, that sort of thing. I mean, you would still have that, but you don't have all of the in-person cues that that you're a high status individual. It just comes back to, you know, delivering results, you know, the work. Well, I'm also, I'm also thinking about about what Jamie Dimon said, and I, I can't remember the exact quote. I know it ticked me off when I heard it. Um, it was, I think it was uh, maybe in June, and he made some comment about how everybody has to come back to work now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it was it was spoken from this kind of belligerence that people weren't there where he needed them to be. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. a very person-centric view of it. But I think for a lot of people, that's that's what was happening, is that, is that they're their little kingdom uh, yep. was changed. So all of a sudden, if, you're, if your most important employees are trying to get their kids uh, working with remote learning, they're distracted. Things feel different. So yeah, so I, it, it just feels like it's the perfect moment or series of moments for a reckoning for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Do you know, I'm just curious anecdotally, if you know many people who used to have an office like an, uh, an office style routine where they went into an office but don't do that anymore and they're mm-hmm. they're i mean you know presumably they were remote but are going to stay remote I, I can't even think of that many people in who have an office well no there's i have a very good friend of mine who is um an svp with a large entertainment company and staying home was torture for her absolute torture um and but it's not clear when they're going back to the office it may be september it might be the end of the year and they're talking about a hybrid model which has gotten a lot of press you know sometimes in the office sometimes not um that's that's really the only because you know my clients you know are not corporate people mm-hmm. right yeah i i don't I have a couple of people I work with who have office style, even if it was like a loosely like, hey, you know, we all kind of descend on the same co-working space kind of on Tuesdays kind of oh, thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know a lot of people who have a prop, what you would call a proper office and and like office culture and, and that sort of thing. Um, but certainly in the in other aspects of 
the the community and the economy there i've heard plenty of stories of people who are like you know like a server at a restaurant or whatever and you know they're just oh, like yeah. yeah you know i can do now that remote's a thing and everybody's kind of comfortable with it pretty much everybody's kind of comfortable with it it opens up a whole new world of opportunities outside of your local geography mm-hmm. so i would i would not be surprised if there's currently a big influx of oh you know like like the typical kind of people you'd find on upwork so sort of like new knowledge workers who are getting comfortable with digital tools kind of moving into Mm -hmm. the remote freelance space because why wouldn't you i mean i I waited on tables i actually liked it Uh, there are lots of things i liked about it you know i was a professional musician which means aka waiter and uh (laughs) i had for years i managed a restaurant in miami uh so there were it was big part of my background, huge fan of the job. I'm going to do my best to have both my kids do that job because I think it's an amazing way to understand people. Mm-hmm. It Get is. To know. Yeah, it's great. There's great for many reasons. Um, but I wouldn't want to do it now. Like, no way. You know, can you imagine? Not only, the, obviously, the, the earning ceiling is pretty low, um, but the risk factor and just the all of the politics associated with it now, it's like... it. I can imagine it would be uh, the dynamics of that would just, just wouldn't take much to say like, well, I've got a laptop. Maybe I can figure out this virtual assistant thing, you know? Well, yeah, I'm thinking of that restaurant in San Francisco. Um, I can't remember the name of it. It's a high end restaurant and they closed for four days and they, they called it a mental health break. And they said, listen, our customers were not abusing us. It wasn't like the story on the Cape. Um, but, but what they said is that they just couldn't get enough people to continue at the high level. I mean, it's one of the top restaurants in the country. And, you know, I was reading that story and I, I totally empathize with them. But the flip side said, well, here's the problem. You're in San Francisco, which is a hugely expensive city for anybody to live in. Um, and you're probably paying minimum wage. Yes, they're getting tips. But is it a, is it a livable wage in a city like San Francisco? It, it's not a model that is, is uh, set up for people who have options. Right. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I, I feel like that's going to keep shifting and changing. I mean, the, locally here, I learned that apparently um, the gyms are really short on personal trainers. And mm-hmm. it used to be that personal trainers, I mean, they were a dime a dozen at, at the gyms. I'm not talking about like high end one to one, but now they can't get enough. Yeah. Yeah. I saw the same. My personal trainer manages the gym that that, that he's at. And same thing, like a, lo- a lot of folks just flamed out early, didn't make the jump to Zoom and just did other things. Mm-hmm. So what, is, what does this all mean for our listeners who are probably not personal trainers? Um, for, the first thing, I, I guess, I guess the, there's a big thing, but I want to start with a little thing, which is that all of this fluctuation, all of this sloshing around that's going to happen, at least in the, you know, definitely in the US economy, probably any economy, but definitely in the US, all of that change creates opportunities for the kind of people who listen to the show to either assist that market, do something with that change, help those people who are trying to make the leap uh, or do research, you know, create intellectual mm-hmm. property on around these transitions. I mean, there's tons of people doing it, but maybe you've got 
some special niche. Maybe you're focused on software developers like me, and maybe there's some some trend happening in the software space. Maybe there's something you can do to onboard ex waiters who want to learn Python and do you know create mm-hmm. video games or machine learning or whatever. You know, maybe there's an opportunity there. That's that's kind of a small potatoes thing. Like it's something to think about. I think the big thing is the, the kind of thing that's a little tougher to wrap your head around, which is the reckoning, right? The the whole yeah. point of what we're talking about today. How do you walk people through? Because it feels the reason I'm posing the question to you is because it feels almost like an initial branding exercise. It, it, it feels like, you know, what's your big idea? What's mm-hmm. your purpose? What's your mission? And kind Who of like now's serve? right, yeah, yeah. Like now's the time. Now's a great time with everything in flux. Everything's in motion. So like any rut that you're stuck in, you're going to have a lot of helpful momentum to pop you out of it if you want to. So it's kind of like, hey. How am I feeling? Am I happy with this? Am I, you know, am I cool with this mission or this path that I'm on, this vision that I'm moving mm-hmm. toward? Like, is my strategy, did my strategy for last year uh, survive the the surprise? Um, am yeah. I, am I going to do the same thing this year? Am I going to try again? Am I going to shift gears? Probably, you know, probably makes sense to shift gears because everything's different than it would have been in January, 2020. So, you know, it's a great time to think about the big things, the big picture things about your business, what you're trying to achieve, even if you've got a mission that's larger than your business and kind of um, kind of work through that. So so for you, if you were going to help someone, you know, someone comes to you and just like, oh, Rochelle, I don't know what to do. I'm not happy. I don't want to go back to this job. Like, how should I even start thinking about this? Yeah, I mean, the, the easiest way to do it is if you're in a place of discomfort is to dig into the discomfort. Right. So what is it that you're doing now that you really dislike? And, you know, and a lot of times we start with kind of the surface things. Well, my revenue is uneven. Okay, so why is it uneven? Right. So you start to dig into it. And and maybe it's that you're focusing on a particular kind of client where you're doing a lot of execution and you're over that. You have had one or two more strategy ish clients and you get excited about that. So all of a sudden, that's where the malaise is coming from, because three quarters or 90 percent of your work isn't interesting to you anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's really learning from what is and isn't working already. And then the really exciting part is, well, what's the possible? Mm-hmm. And that's where, you know, we've talked before on the show about um, going through this kind of audit of your experiences and stories. I think we get so much because we so seldom look back unless it's we just remind ourselves of some stupid thing we did <laughs> 10 years ago. Um, but to really start to think about the experiences and adventures and stories that have happened to you over the course of your life. And a lot of times some of the answers are in there. Um, And then the other piece of that is who are you really excited to serve? And if, if you're the waiter who is like done dealing with difficult nasty people at some high-end restaurant you're like well I don't want to deal with them but gee I'm really interested in artists and I have this skill set and I would like to serve artists so then so then you've got something to work with and you can start figuring out well what does that look like is it a one-to-one is it a one-to-many how am I going to do it how am I going to shift from what I'm doing now to where I want to go not everybody has the luxury of just turning the switch 
and changing everything overnight. So there's there's a process in between. But don't worry about the process in between. Worry about where it is you want to go to get really excited about your work again. And, and it might be your work and your life. I mean, maybe you've been crazy busy through the pandemic and you have small kids and you're like, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to work less. And I'm mm-hmm. okay with making what I'm making or making a little bit more. I don't want to make less than I'm making, but I want to work less. I've heard yeah. that quite a bit from clients. I'm sure you have too. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's my, yes, I have definitely heard that from people. And it, it's my, that's my growth. For me, growth is not tacking a zero on my income. My growth is working fewer hours. So, yeah, I definitely, I mean, that was true before, but mm-hmm. uh, I definitely have seen that. And I've also seen a related a related thing that, just more anecdotally, like lots of people selling their house, lots of people mm. moving, lots of people just going on the road. Uh, there are lots of that big, big changes, like yeah. big changes. So yeah, I guess, I guess that's the, that's kind of the theme. It's like, there's just lots of big changes now. So if, if you've got one in you now, it's probably a good time to do it because it's not going to be, it's not going to seem as, as uh, risky or bonkers or, you know, you, you'll get a lot of support from other people because it's like, yeah. Yeah, I feel the same way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, perhaps you'd even be giving courage to other people who also probably should, or at least in a position to make a big change. So, okay, so you said you said something that I wanted to leapfrog off of, which is I wanted to just amplify the piece about being hypersensitive to how you feel when you're doing stuff. Hypersensitive. Mm. So, you know, whatever your routine is, let's let's say you get up in the morning and you, you need morning routine, and then you open up the computer and you look at your calendar. And you see the first appointment and you're just like, Ugh. or, or you're like psyched. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. So, right. So, you know, I admit I have some appointments in my calendar where I'm like, Ugh. and I notice that mm-hmm. most of them, most of them I'm like, cool, like podcast. Great. That sounds like fun. You know, so you better say that <laughs> <laughs> even, yeah, even, you know, I did, uh, did an interview, a ditching hourly interview on Friday that was super fun. I was looking forward to it. It was mm-hmm. a guest was introduced to me by a mutual friend. Totally scintillating individual to meet and interview and get to know a little bit. It's super fun. So so look at your calendar and just be hyper aware as you look at each appointment that you have coming up. Like what you're, you know, on a scale of 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 frowny face to smiley face, where each one of those activities lands for you mm-hmm. and you know hopefully there's a mix hopefully it's not all frowny faces i mean well hopefully they're all smiley faces and then you're all set but uh in the event that they're not and you're like oh i dread i dread meetings with that one customer or i dread uh that that daily stand-up or i dread mm-hmm. you know maybe maybe it is a podcast maybe you're starting to dread your own podcast or something like that mm-hmm. it's like all right well maybe you could do something about it. I mean, you definitely can do something about it. Yeah. So then it's like, well, what are the trade-offs? What are the, you know, so, I mean, but that's just one thing. That's just one thing. Like looking at your calendar and and gauging your feelings about each of the upcoming appointments. But another thing is in the moment, or maybe even at the end of the day, you could say, what, what did I lose myself in? What did I do today that I was totally in the zone? Time flew by, loved it. Wish I could do that all day long if I yes. could make money at it. Flow. That, that kind of thing, right? Yeah. So like what? where are you getting into flow? And and that can be a clue. It could be something to follow and dig into and be like, well, 
I'm really digging, you know, just to throw something random, like I'm really digging woodworking right now. Mm-hmm. It would be, it would be the pivot of all pivots for me to like start a woodworking business. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can't like, even picture that one. <laughs> no. No. I mean, I, I mean, honestly, I could be making money immediately because it's so difficult, even though I'm not great, but I bought some tools. I've got the tools. Everybody needs it right now. There's not enough people to do anything. I could just, I could totally make a living as a goofy handyman, like shuffling around people's houses and like fixing screens or something, you know? And it's like, are you in the zone when you do that? No, not really. But I'm just, I'm just trying to pick a really dramatic example. No, I'm just, but my point was, that's why I said that, that I couldn't see you doing that because you've commented over and over again how you don't like being handy. So, but anyway, I love the example though. Good example. Right. So yeah, trying to come up with something radical and, and, during COVID, I have bought a bunch of woodworking tools, which makes it a lot easier to do a good job, which makes me hate it less. Ah. So, right. So, so really the reason, if you have heard me in the past, dear listener, you know, say I'm not handy. I don't like fixing things around the house. Well, guess what? I had crappy tools. So every time I did it, it came out terrible and it took too long and it, and it, it just was off. The whole experience was terrible, but it was kind of like the self-fulfilling prophecy because I, I'm not handy. Therefore, I don't need tools. It was kind of like a vicious yeah. cycle. So when when Erica was like, I want you to build these, we need to build new garden boxes. And there's just no way it would have taken me all summer to do by hand and they would have been awful. So I was like, oh, I got to buy a miter saw. So I bought that, bought a bunch of, bought a nice drill. Blah, 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 blah. Next thing you know, I'm like, damn, those came out pretty good. <laughs> World's you know, most so, expensive garden boxes, but they look fabulous. Yeah, I had a thousand dollar salad last night, probably. <laughs> so... <laughs> Right. Anyway, the point the point is the reason I even brought that up because there's no way I'm making that pivot. But the reason I brought it up is because it could be something that dramatic. Like I had a, a TPS grad who was still we're still in the Slack room together, and you know he's going through all these exercises for his current sensible business, and he's kind of like it was kind of like he was doing it. He was putting in the time, and he's just like ah, it's like. Yeah, I, I guess, you know, if you're like, what, but what would I do for like, you know, if I was going to make a podcast about this thing that I, that I do, you know, it was, it was something technical. Uh, it was some kind of coding. I don't even remember exactly. Um, and he's just like, he's just heart wasn't in it. And, and I don't remember, it was one of the exercises he was like, oh, well, it's, you know, it was, some, I'm paraphrasing the, the memory of it. Cause it's, it was, a, it's a little vague, but the one, the thing I do remember is that he had a moment where he was like, he realized that if he had been going through all of these exercises based on something he actually cared about, which happened to be music, he's an extremely talented and successful musician, he was like, this whole course would have been super easy because all of these all of these questions that you're asking, who do you most want to serve? What do you enjoy the most? You know, what are your talents, skills, uh, passions, the market, you know, what, what are all the things you could do? Who do you want to help? That was a big one. Who do you want to help? And he was like, Oh, it's so easy for me to answer all these questions. If I imagine myself in a completely different career, which was a past career, it wasn't like he was starting from scratch. And the updates that he's sharing now, you know, he's like getting grants and like, he's, he's really making tons of progress and has much more. He's, he just comes across as like much more buoyant for lack of a better term. Mm. So, you know, that's a dramatic shift. Yeah. And is he still doing some software dev on the side to make ends meet? I don't know, but that's not the point. You know, maybe he probably is, but he's kind of like, he's kind of like rekindled this 
um, love of music performance and the, the whole the performing arts, and he's doing all sorts of really fun things there. It's a giant, giant shift. Well, yeah, I, you know, I was thinking with your um, your your potential shift from you know what what you do now to woodworking, <laughs> handyman. Um, you know, I was going to call it woodworking because I was thinking all the tools. I was thinking a little more intricate than just you know like fixing things. But anyway, but the what went through my mind was you know your other career before that was coding, and to me, I'm not a coder, but to me, coding is like solving a puzzle. Right. It's like all these pieces and you have to figure out how to put them all together and you put them together and they're not quite right. And you have to tweak one here and tweak one there. That's kind of like how I think about what you describe, like putting that box together. It's a puzzle Mm -hmm. and you need to have the right tools and you put the puzzle together. So there's a commonality in those two things. And I recognize you're not going to go out and become a handyman, but but (laughs) you could make the argument. Let's say you were 10 or 20 years older and you said, you know, I just I'm you know, I want to do something that is still interesting to me, but is not this thing I've been doing. You might through this process go, you know, I really like to solve puzzles. I like Mm -hmm. to put things together and figure out what's not working. There's Mm -hmm. a whole a lot of things that you could do from that. I mean, the handyman woodworking is just one of them. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. And that's really what we're talking about is getting to the core of what what is intriguing to you. What do you really enjoy doing that will put you in flow for big blocks of, of time? Right, right. So we had an episode a while back about the difference between leading and exploring. And this is this is probably the explore. This would probably be the exploratory phase for anyone who's feeling that kind of like, ugh, ugh, like the the you know getting back into my air quotes normal clothes doesn't feel right. They don't they don't fit the same anymore. Don't I'm not digging this. It, something's not right. Um, you know, it could be time for an exploratory phase where mm-hmm. you do, and, and that's kind of what we've been describing, where you're, you're like, okay, be hypersensitive to your feelings. Look at your calendar. How does each appointment make you feel? Um, if you could if you could wave a magic wand and put whatever you wanted in your calendar, what would be in your calendar? What would be those things that you would do or on your to-do list? You know, what would be the things there? And, and how can you get rid of the things that just just make you feel like taking a nap like oh yeah <laughs> just deflated <laughs> because you can like look yes. you work for yourself that's right like you thing. can you have to give yourself permission yeah I, sometimes i think that's the biggest barrier is that we think okay i'm in my own business so i have to do everything myself i have to figure out how to like do my own website i have to figure out how to do all my own social media i have to figure out how to do my bookkeeping you know if that's not mm-hmm. what you're good at find somebody who that's their thing and get to focus on the things that you really enjoy mm-hmm. yeah I definitely delegate stuff that that are drag um but yeah yeah even bigger than that though it's like but am i even doing the right thing it's like i'm driving this car but am i going to the right place am i climbing the right ladder yeah you know is this is am i even on the right ladder is the is really the question that i think a lot of people have been answering with with no lately well i think there's another way to approach change that is interesting for people who don't always make big leaps at one time cuz i i think change begets change Right. We do one small thing and then it energizes us or gives us confidence to do another change. And it's not even that we've planned it. I'm thinking of a friend of mine who 
was planning to sell you know, a big family home and downsize in about a year. But, you know, what the real estate market has been like this last year. And she just decided, you know what, the time is now. I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. And she went into a frenzy of downsizing and getting the house ready to to market and sell. And she sold it. It was record Mm -hmm. time. And then she just made another big decision about her career. And she's literally Mm -hmm. exiting... Uh, an area that she spent 10 years carving out for herself. And she's got a long-term plan to do that. And she's not exactly sure what she's going to do next, but she's in that exploratory phase. But each of those changes, and this is a person who doesn't make big change. You know, this is not an impulsive person. This is a careful, analytical, thoughtful person. And, mm-hmm. you know, we had the, the house change and then the career change. And I mean, who knows what's next? Right. It's like it, it, it kind of energizes and empowers you to do whatever the next thing is. Yeah, it's true. I think you're 100% right about that. Once you start to change things for the better and you feel like, oh, wow, this is this is amazing. Yeah, <laughs> this is so great. I feel like the what are the what are some of the fears? Like, what are some of the fears? So like, uh, like, I'll start the first one. I think the first one that I hear from people is the money thing. So yeah. like, like I'm Naturally. afraid that I won't be able to uh, maintain my current lifestyle, whether you're, you're single or married or kids, dogs, houses, all that stuff. Right. The first, the first thing is probably the fear of, of that. And that's, you know, obviously justified. It is certainly ways to think about it, to figure it out though. It shouldn't be presumably anyone listening to this. It shouldn't be the, the thing that keeps you locked into whatever it is that is making you feel defeated or sad or depressed or whatever, just like, ugh, that doesn't feel right. The money, you can figure out the money thing. Money is not a scarce resource. It's everywhere. It's like air. It's not scarce. Yeah. So you just, you know, just figure it out. Like the, you well, can, you can do that. But let's be fair though. Money is, I mean, money for a lot of people is core security. And so what it means a lot of times is you might have to upset your life to be able to create a situation where money's not as important. Sure. But I'm saying come up with a plan. Yeah, I'm not saying it's, it's easy. Yeah. But it's all doable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Simple, not yeah. simple, not easy. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So, so that's one thing. Another thing is status, which we talked about a little bit earlier, uh, or you could call it identity. You know, the thing that, that, held me into the software I developer identity for a long time it it was you know I was I had a hard time shifting from the musician identity to the developer software developer identity and again when I went from sort of software you know when I sort of climbed up the software ranks and was more of a consultant and uh, was a consultant and then when I shifted from mobile strategy consulting to, you know, business coaching for software developers, it was like, uh, you know, I found myself literally physically unable to say those words when someone would be like, oh, what do you do? <laughs> I could not say business coach. Couldn't bring, couldn't do it. Interesting. And it was like, yeah, it was weird. It was very, it was too, very noticeable. Too squishy but, for you, maybe. Um, At the time. It was a combination of a habit and not believing it. Uh, you know, feeling not imposter syndrome exactly, but it was like, well, it's too soon to say that I'm still kind of doing both things. What do I say? I tell people all day long not to say you do two things. So I can't say two things. So I'll just say the old thing. 
Uh-huh. And it, it was just weird. I mean, it was it was it was kind of hilarious, actually, but it's a thing. So you do need to your identity uh, can hold you. Uh, it's another security thing. Like it can feel like a, a locus of control that you at least you know who you are and shifting who you are and how you're perceived by others, which could could contribute to status. You know, like that. Sorry, status could contribute to that. So, like, if you mm-hmm. if you feel your new identity is lower status, you actually that that's true of me. I felt like business coach was lower status than than software consultant. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny because when I made the shift from being a you know a partner at a big firm to starting one, I mean, you could easily argue that was a dramatic reduction in status. But I was so excited. But here's why. Because I'd gotten to the pinnacle, at least for me, of how I described Mm -hmm. it. I made partner, but then I saw what being a partner meant. I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, so this is all status, but I don't like this. I don't like what goes along with it. So I ran to the status of being an entrepreneur. I thought that was like the sexy thing, even though it's obviously Mm -hmm. lower status. I shouldn't say obviously, but at that time, you know, starting a, you know, a firm no one had heard of after coming from a big name was, you Mm -hmm. know, clearly there was a difference there. But yeah, yeah, right. At least in your circles. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think the other thing which is related to, to status and identity is this fear of failure that you're going to publicly fall on your face with whatever mm-hmm. this shift is, that it's not going to work. Everybody's going to watch you. They're going to point and they're going to say, what a loser you are. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's what goes through our heads. And of course, we yeah. know that's not how it works. But, right. but that fear can, can keep us from making some big leaps. Yeah. Am I going to look stupid? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who wants yep. to look stupid? Right. Right. And it could be, it, it could be, um, it could be with your friends, it could be with colleagues, but it could be with your spouse. It could be imagined in front of your kids. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, you could kind of say, I, I'm tempted to say objectively, you know, the money thing is probably going to be a bigger impact, would be a bigger impact than looking stupid. But at the same time, it can feel even bigger. Like, you know, would I rather uh, sort of be, tell my kids like, um, lost the house, we're going to have to move into, move in with um, grandma and grandpa. Or would I rather say, like have them see in the newspaper that I was publicly humiliated or something. You know what <laughs> which, I mean? Which would be better? I don't know. They're both really bad. Yeah. I, I would want neither of those things. So I, I guess I guess what I would say, you know, between the identity, the status, the um, the sort of shame, public shame, you know, like mm-hmm. the the uh, looking stupid, the money risks. They're all they're all totally super duper real. Like no oh, doubt yeah. about that. Yeah. And I, Neither one of us is suggesting that somebody makes like a a risky move, but you know all of these things can be tackled over time. Like you can work through all of these things, especially if you're aware of what is holding you back. If you are as you're exploring, and maybe maybe like my you know software developer who went back to music, maybe like that, it didn't even occur to him. Like that's the thing that really that's the thing that that makes this worth talking about, in my opinion, is that it didn't even occur to him for like you know, how long's that program? Like, like 12 weeks, you know, we're working through all of this stuff for months and it didn't occur to him until the very end that had he to do it, you know, he actually did do it over again. He was like, if I was going to do this over again, I would do it with music. Like, mm-hmm. and then it would be so much easier. You know, it's, if you don't, if you don't take the opportunity that I, I think if you want to look for a silver lining in the pandemic, uh, 
it's like, this is a, a great time to reevaluate and say like, okay, well, if, if I was going to move into a next phase of my life, like maybe this is the start of the beginning of a new phase. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, you know, it doesn't have to be like a light switch. Like you said, it doesn't have to be flip it and be like, uh, Hey, spouse and kids, guess what? We're moving into a trailer and I'm going to be, a, <laughs> you know, I'm going to be a life coach as we, you know, roll around the country. Doesn't need to be overnight, but to put to start thinking about it, and then get a sense of where you'd want to go, and then explore the things that are would be holding you back from that, the obstacles, and they'll be basically probably ninety percent psychological, if not a hundred percent, and then start making you know make a strategy to start that transition, and whatever, take eighteen months to do it. That's fine. You'll be busy, but it'll be less risky. Well, plus, let's make the point here is that you're choosing to make the change. It's very different than, yeah, than when you have change foisted upon you. I mean, we all know we like the changes that we initiate more than those that somebody else puts on yeah, us. Yeah, getting fired or whatever. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I was thinking when you were talking about the experience with the kids, I, I had a number of clients back in my in my uh, big firm consulting days who were, you know, heads of their functions. So they were C-suite VP of typically HR and they'd lose their job when two companies would merge and they would go home and they usually had teenage kids and they were so ashamed. It was, it was, it was horrible for them. And, you know, of course the whole family was involved because in most of those cases there was only one primary wage earner and, and that Mm -hmm. was dad. And he came home and said, I lost my job and the chances of finding another C-suite job without moving are pretty slim. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and so you don't want to be in that situation where maybe you've got a whale client and you've only got one. You have one client, <laughs> one whale, and they go in a different direction and you're stuck. I mean, the time good the point. time to act is now when it's your choice. Oh, such a good point. Mhm. Right, because this this trend of course is not going to be limited to just you, dear listener. It could be your clients, it could be your employer if you're, you know, if you're thinking about making a jump or you have a side hustle or something. You know, it, it's going to be, it's the churn, it's churn. There's going to be tons of churn. Mm-hmm. So even, right. But, you know, you don't want to, certainly the last person to make hasty decisions. I'm like pretty, I'm like a staged bets kind of person. I like to lay <laughs> the groundwork. So yeah, so lay the groundwork for this next thing. But you have to figure out what the next thing is first. Yeah. I mean, I know, I already have a plan for what I'm going to be doing in my 60s. And I'm slowly but surely laying the groundwork for it. So, you know, and it will be different. But it will, the story will make sense. It'll be a through line. And maybe I'm wrong. I'll change my, maybe I'll change my mind. Maybe I don't make it to my 60s. Who knows? But it's still, I'm, I'm like slowly but surely laying the bricks for that mm-hmm. different thing. Yep. So it, it's not, neither one of us is saying like, this is a, something that you would need to do overnight or, you know, very risky. But I, the point, you, I can't stress enough how good that point is about this change might be coming for you. Wouldn't it be nice to come home to your kids and say, Everybody, family meeting, making it, uh, I have to make a change. I'm leaving my job for something else versus, hey, everybody lost my job today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which which conversation would yeah, you rather have? Exactly. Exactly. You know, whether it's lost the big client or whatever. Yeah. I mean, the other thing that can happen is even if you have your own business, you're not beholden to a, you know, a boss boss, is that if you're serving clients that are just not really inspiring and energizing you, chances are you're not 
giving them your best effort. And it's not even that you're not, that you're intentionally holding something back. It's just that they're not getting the best of you. And over Mm -hmm. time, those people are going to leave. Those clients aren't going to stay because there will be somebody else for whom they are the, the ideal client. So it's really finding that sweet spot that you're going to serve and, you know, and there's always some churn with clients because, you know, this is all cyclical and people are organic yeah, and change actually. and evolve. But yeah, I think when you really focus on your ideal audience doing what you do best that puts you in flow a great percentage of the time, I mean, how awesome is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? Yeah. So there's a, we've been talking really, really big picture so far about big changes Uh, Let's dial it back a little bit to smaller changes that you could make that still now is a good time to do it. You know, maybe you are, you know, maybe you look at your calendar for the week and it's like 80% smiley faces on all of your appointments (laughs) and you're like, you're pretty, you're pretty, you're happy with your mission. You like the way it's going, but, um, but okay, Rochelle and Jonathan were talking about reevaluating. So what, you know, what, what are the kinds of things you could look at? in your business to, I feel like it's bigger than refine it, but kind of like refine it without making any dramatic changes. So like, look at your, your product and service mix, you know, look back on that and say like, you know, are are some of these services, um, am I getting bored of them? Am I really, am I getting better Mm -hmm. at them? Am I just phoning it in? Is it, is it aligned with my mission still? Now that I, now that I've been doing it for a while and I see the trajectory of it, is it aligned with my mission? Maybe it's not. Right. Maybe there's something that you should double down on that's more aligned with your mission. That's you know I, I I'm thinking of myself here because like one-on-one coaching is great. It's 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 massive impact, but on a small number of people, and that's not really aligned with my mission. To rid the world of hourly billing, it's not going to be me going by one by one by one to people. It's just not, it'll never happen. So it's not as aligned with my mission as more leveraged things like, like, uh, workshops and, uh, group coaching where I can work with hundreds of people at a time and potentially have a bigger impact. Mm-hmm. So just as an example, so you could say like, Oh, well, you know what, let's say you're lucky and you know what your mission is, or you've put in the work to figure out what your mission is. It's a good time to reevaluate and say, okay, um, is there anything here that's really not, um, that's not serving that as, as well as some of the other things? Maybe I should double down on the other things. Or another thing you could do is come up with a brand new product or service that you just don't, you know don't even have yet. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe maybe you maybe it's time to write that book. Maybe it's time to launch that first course or create a workshop or um, be more intentional about landing speaking gigs, even if they're remote speaking gigs. Um, Maybe it's time to change your business model. That's one I've been mm-hmm. he- uh, hearing a lot of yep. people like lately adding m- more products into a service business or vice versa, mm-hmm. uh, switching to a subscription model instead of a one-off type of thing. Th- these are all, this is a perfect time to be thinking about stuff like this. And those are all small moves um, that you can make that have an outsized impact. I mean, one of the things that right. I did while you were um putting less emphasis on coaching is I put more emphasis on it. And I, I now do not offer my strategy work without coaching. 
Hmm. Because I decided, I was looking at, at results and I thought, you know what? When people elect to do the coaching, the results are so much more powerful. So I'm not going to do it without the coaching. And that, that means that you know, not as many people will buy it because the price is much higher than it was before. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I can, I can guarantee the result that they want, the outcomes. And, you mm-hmm. know, and the other piece of this is what do you enjoy doing? Right. As a person. Right. So I now um, am not doing any more execution. I wasn't doing a lot, but I still had a little bit. And it's really now all strategy and coaching. And I love that. Mm. That's my flow. Right. Exactly. Right. So oh, that's a good point that, that I, I don't think I said explicitly. You know, when, when, when I was talking a minute ago about the product and service mix and like what's most aligned with your mission, that's just one consideration. Mm-hmm. It's a big one, but you might not be clear on what your mission is. That's fine. Um, but you could you could just optimize for profitability, for example, or you could optimize for happiness, happiness, your <laughs> yeah. own happiness. Right. And just be like, ah, you know, I can make money doing either one of these two things. They're both aligned with my mission. They're they're. They're both reasonably profitable, but I just like this one better. So I'm going to stop the other one. (laughs) Imagine that. It's like, I'm going to stop hitting my head against the wall. Wow, it feels great. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, There's another smallish, smaller sort of thing that um, has has happened a couple of times in my student mix where it's just time to let that, that tough client go. Yes. There's, you've got a mix of clients. Hopefully you don't just have like one or two whale clients. You hopefully you've got like, you know, five or 10 clients. So you're spreading out your risk across multiple clients and you just look at the bottom 20% and however you define bottom, mm-hmm. it might not be money. It's more likely, it's it's much more likely that it's the all caps emails clients <laughs> and, right. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, it's, I'm going in a different direction or I'm dramatically raising my prices. I know you guys aren't going to. You know, you guys are very price sensitive. I know you're not going to want to come with me at these prices. So I'm going to, whatever. You just politely offboard them, hand them off to someone else who you trust that can do the work that would be a better fit for them. Well, however you do it, uh, I've had a couple of people do this recently. And the, the, it is an overnight increase in quality of life, like instantaneous yes. overnight increase yeah. in quality of life. It's unbelievable. You know? If nothing else, you, you unclench your jaw. Mm-hmm. And you sleep better. Mm-hmm. I mean, imagine waking up and not having the all caps emails waiting for you. Like, imagine how <laughs> right. that feels. Yeah, yeah. And to back back to the smiley face, the the smiley scale. Same thing with you know I was talking about a calendar, but it's the same thing with emails or Slack, whatever whatever your main communication channel is, where you just see the email and you're like defeated. You just feel like exhausted. Yes. You're seeing it there. Yep. You skip it. You do others, you read, mm-hmm. go read other ones out of order, you know, <laughs> like, you know, like that's a clue. Like you should probably let them go. Yeah. That's a big old neon clue that it's time to mm-hmm. let them go. And I think that a lot of times it, it, it tends to be insidious. In other words, we don't knowingly take on a difficult client, right? It just, for whatever reason, over time, it starts things that didn't bother you. It's like dating, I guess. Things that didn't bother you in the beginning, (laughs) you know, you start to think of maybe marrying this person and you're like, oh no, I can't, I can't, no, I couldn't live the rest of my life with that. Um, No, they chew way too loud. (laughs) But that, that, why do you breathe like that? (laughs) 
Oh, don't get me started. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so those, those things, it's not like it all happens overnight, but when you start to notice, I think it's really important to act on those, on those feelings and not in the spur of the moment, but you know, as you keep feeling that, like, isn't there a statistic that says like some huge percentage of heart attacks happen on Monday mornings when people go back to work? Like, don't let that be (laughs) you. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I, you know, I have a friend who he tells a story, his, his, uh, make the leap to, self-employment story is like he just woke up and he was going to go to work and he was tying his shoes and he's just like crying he didn't know why and like you don't want to go that far and that's just an accumulation of all these frowny faces like you know one thing after another every single appointment and email and text message they're all a bummer and they drain you you just end up crying monday morning trying to put your shoes on oh my god that's that just, oh, I can remember being at O'Hare and I was going, I was working on a, a merger and we were towards the end of it. I was so exhausted. Like it was all I could do to drag my suitcase. And this was like Monday morning and they still had pay phones at the airport. <laughs> and I remember going to the pay phone, calling my office and saying, tell them I'm not coming. And I turned around and, you know, it was like an hour from downtown out to the airport. I turned around, I went home. And I got in bed and I literally stayed in bed for two days. It was like, it was just like that bad. And I, I remember that's when I made wow. the decision. It's like, no, I can't keep doing this. I'll die. I will die yeah. if I keep doing this. And that was the beginning for me of, of creating my own firm. And it, you know, it took six months to figure out what I was going to do. But yeah, sometimes, mm-hmm. yeah, don't let it get to that. I don't recommend it. Yeah, don't. <laughs> Right, right. Wow, that's yeah. a good one. Yeah, two days, and I was not a person who would lay in bed. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't, no. couldn't do anymore. Wow. Yeah. Well, now's the time, folks. We're here to remind you. We're your wake up call. Yes, really. You do not need to be two days in bed because you're exhausted. Exactly. From work. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we. I, I'm assuming a lot about the audience, but by and large. Anybody listening to this has the luxury to make these kinds of changes. And I would call it a yeah, luxury. It is a privilege. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but but you are in control of your life. Like if you don't control your life, I mean, this goes without saying, I suppose, but if you don't set your own direction, somebody will. Like they'll make their agenda your agenda. So times like these, it's, it's, a, it's a good reminder to sort of like look up at the, you know, you're doing your job, looking down, looking down, doing work, doing work, doing a good job. It, it, periodically, I do it about once a year around New Year's, you know, or towards the end of the year, I'd like look at my numbers, for, you know, once I close the books for December, I usually do it in January anyway. But I don't, I, I, I didn't always do that. And I don't know if everybody always does that. I doubt everyone does it. So this is one of those times where it's like kind of off schedule, I suppose. But no, this is I do mine in July normally. And I think it's because, you know, like September is like the start of, you know, that 100-day sprint. Um, but I have, I have a client who takes three weeks off every year and is, he's crazy busy during the year. Like he, he works just ungodly number of hours. But, but, but he's doing something he loves. He very much loves it. It's under his control. It's his business. But he takes those three weeks. And I, I forget what he called it but it it basically he has to his the work that he does 
has to meet a new standard. So during the three weeks, he thinks about everything and he's like, okay, so am I ready to re-enlist for another year? And, and if I hmm. am, do I want to change anything? What do I want to change? And it's, it's just, he's built this into his process. Three weeks, hmm. um, you know, it's very dramatic, but he's a guy who it's hard to unplug. So when he unplugs, he's going to do it for a big chunk of time. Yeah. Yeah. I did related to that. We we have this like little summer kind of glamping place in the woods uh, that we couldn't go to last year, but it was open up this year. So, you know, we went down the past. I was down for like four days. Mm, nice. Uh, long weekend. Yeah, it was really nice. And and cell phone barely works. So it's it's not it's just more frustrating than anything to try and like, mm-hmm. you know, listen to a podcast or so very, very unplugged. And just like kids swimming and like bug spray and like that whole thing. <laughs> lots of bug <laughs> you know? spray. Yeah. So lots of, so I read uh, like two books and, you know, physical paper books and did a bunch of kind of like, I wouldn't call it planning. It's more like, it was more like brainstorming. It wasn't, but that sounds too, it was just like playing. You were, th- you were thinking. Just thinking. Yeah. But like yeah. fun. It was like fun thinking, like imagining, daydreaming. It was more like daydreaming. What if? Yeah, a lot of what if with a legal pad and a pen. And oh, fun. Yeah, it was so fun. So fun. And, you know, I think, I, I guess the tip, the reason I brought it up is like unplugging for me is pretty important to, to like not be distracted. And when I say unplug, I don't just mean electronics. I mean like I, I can't, like if the kids are like, oh, could you make me chicken nuggets? And, you know, like uh, it's very difficult for me to like get into the, business design like what would be fun like what would be fun that ticks all the boxes that i need to tick so like mission income uh impact uh lifestyle decreased hours all of that stuff like what would tick all those boxes that would be fun and just like you know splash that over like three pages of legal Mm -hmm. notes or whatever it's just like it's fun so you know just as a tip like the the unplugging thing some kind of solitude that's what your story reminded me of. It's like, it's like you got to kind of go into the, the sensory deprivation chamber, wherever that is for you. And and a lot of a lot of people are afraid of that. You know, they're afraid of what happens if you're unplugged, and you gotta you gotta face the fear and go do it. You you might be amazed at what you discover about yourself and what's exciting to you. Yeah, exactly. Like, what if I have an epiphany? It's like, what if you don't? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> What are you done? Like, think about it like this. However old you are, you're listening, right? Is this really what you're going to be doing forever? Like the the week that you had last week, is that going to be your week forever? Of course not. Of course, it's going to change. The what we're I guess what we're saying is kind of like get proactive about what those weeks are going to look like in the future instead of letting it organically happen to you. Because your last week isn't going to be the same as in in a year from now. You're going to have a different week, so it's going to change one way or the other. So you might as well at least be driving the bus and not like sitting in the back hoping it doesn't go off the road. Yes, exactly. It's take charge. And I think it's because a lot of what we do is analytical and we're like, we have a process. There's a beginning, a middle and an end. And this sort of feels more amorphous. Um, But it's important to let the thoughts in, even if you just let them in a little bit at a time. And then, you know, carve out a space where you can really think about some of these things. And I, I love your... You, you know your experience with with basically a sketch pad and and a, and a pen and quiet and especially if you're in a place that feels really good. I mean, you're not sitting on an airplane, you know, going to 
I don't know, Prague. Um, but you're you're in nature, which is a happy place for you and, and free of distractions. It's awesome. Yeah, really nice. Again, a luxury, but hey, if you can do it, you might as well because it's just going to it's gonna get done to you yeah. or you're going to do it to yourself. Yeah. So I, I prefer the <laughs> Absolutely. latter. Call me crazy. Cool. All right. So I think we've gone all the way around the bend on this it, one. It is a reckoning for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good time for it. All right, folks. Fingers crossed that this is the end or at least close enough for, you know, practical purposes. You mean the end of the pandemic, not the show, right? <laughs> this is definitely the end of the show. <laughs> oh, no. I, f- I feel another show coming on. <laughs> um, all right. Cool. We'll leave it there. That's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. We hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.